Hey, it's your boy Milo here with the Wednesday episode. Got Mike Albert of Albert's Custom Meats in the building. Uh, enjoy the episode. We chop it up with him and uh, just kind of get into, you know, how we got started in the business, where he's uh, where he began, where he's taken it and uh, where he's headed. So enjoy. Peace. All right. Uh, today is our Wednesday uh, episode, Wednesday portion of episode 17. Uh, lucky number 17. We uh, it's your boys, Milo and Rome. We got uh, Butcher Mike, Mike Albert in the building. Mike, what's going on, bro? Not too much. Just glad to be here. I appreciate you guys letting me on the show. Heck yeah, yeah dude. Glad to have you, bro. Yee-yee. Glad to have you. Um, so what we're going to be getting into today, Mike's got the butcher business going, uh, kind of talking about that. And uh, catching up, dude, it's honestly been like we were talking before uh, the recording started and it's been so long, bro. It's been so long since we were kicking it. And it used to be like almost like a like almost like everyday homie, bro, like kicking it at Scotty's house, gaming it, doing Uh all kinds of shit like uh that. It used to be kind of seeing each other on a regular basis, man. But no, grow up, got responsibilities and everything. Um, Why don't you. uh, uh, So shout out your uh, butcher business. Why don't you uh, tell us what it's called? So. Um, Go for it. We're Alboard's Custom Meats. Uh, we specialize in uh, custom cut and wrap, curing, kind of the basic stuff. Uh, a lot of people come in and ask, can you do this or that? We can pretty much do anything that you can think of uh, with a meat product. And that comes from uh, drying and curing it, you know, making bacon, ham, stuff like that, mm-hmm. to making sausages, summer sausage, pepperoni sticks, uh, pretty much anything that you can think of. Uh, and if we don't do it, I can research it and tell you I can get it done for you pretty much. Uh, We are a a no retail though. So it's strictly custom cut. You have to bring us a product and then we're going to return you a a finished product, I guess, if if that makes any sense. So, so it's not like, it's not like, um, like a spot where you can just go in and like, Hey, like, can I get um, like two ribeyes for like the, uh, the evening or something like that for a barbecue? Like you gotta like bring in something to cut and, have that done that way right is that what you mean by no retail yeah pretty much yeah pretty much uh, we don't we get a lot of customers coming in and and that was one of my goals from the beginning uh i would have loved to just opened up like a custom i guess you could say charcuterie shop yeah. where we just put out steaks you know you come in and say just like that i want a couple of ribeyes a couple of porterhouse bam i'll zip them off the saw for you Uh, but in our building and our facility and the way it was established and what we took over uh, we don't really have that option. Yeah, we could cut box meat where I give you a couple of steaks and it's frozen and in the box already and you come and pick it up, but we really don't even have room or I guess you could say we would have to make the time, but there's already so little time in the day to do what we do. It makes it tough to jump into the retail side. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. With the space. It would be quite the leap. Right. Yeah. Right, space right. is really what it comes down to. And and uh, we're already shoulder to shoulder in our building. I should say six feet, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> six feet to six feet. <laughs> six feet yeah. to six feet. Yeah. So. Okay. So but no, it's um, exciting. It's been an exciting venture. Good. So so talking about like taking it over, like why don't you start with like where like how you got into like meat cutting, like how you got into like the business at all, like all the way from like the very beginning. Like, why don't you take us back there? If we want to go, if we want to go from the very beginning, I guess you could say it was when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, my godparents owned a carniceria mm-hmm. and I was young, dumb, just being a kid, you know, got a, getting ready to get a car, needed money for car insurance, gas. And that's what I was thinking. Uh, and pretty much they had a carniceria. So I would get to go in after school, you know, break down boxes, mop up floors, pretty much be the the garbage kid at the end of the day but as time was spent you know i would i would jump in and help the customers you know wrap up a couple pounds of this wrap up a couple pounds of that and that was all retail that's that was nothing compared to what i do now mm-hmm. uh but it definitely provoked a, a passion in me that i knew i was just man this is a this is a fun business you know i'd love to to get into this one day but that was just a kid you know we want to be this we want to be that we want to be a little bit of everything right so and that was when i was 15 and then of course graduated went on my life adventures uh worked here worked there uh ended up working at a little farm uh down the road and then uh, i knew it was time to you know to to broaden my horizon a little bit and 
and I left the farm and it was, I guess you could say 10 years ago. So would that put us 2010, maybe 2010 uh, right around there. Trevor was like, Mike, you looking for something new? You know, I know you're a hard worker. Uh, come over here to, to Colin's custom meets with me and, okay. and try it out. And, uh, and that was that, uh, I pretty much knew the day that I walked in there that, that I was going to run that shop someday. You know, it's weird to say that, but, uh, I knew right there, I was like, oh yeah, this is it. I really dig it. Um, I could see myself just, I could see, I even took pictures, uh, cause I would be clean up at the end also. And everybody else would go home, you know, first one there, last one to leave. Yeah. Uh, and I was just a regular guy boning out meat, nothing special yet. And uh, but I remember taking a picture and be like, yeah, this is going to be mine one day. And that was still in the, the, the first year. And then I think it was a good uh, four to five years that I worked there. And then uh, uh, Jim, the previous owner, was definitely ready to sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I tried and I was young, so I obviously didn't have a bunch of big wad of cash to offer him because he right. paid me. So he knew how much I made. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> he knew what was uh, but, in, in, in the pockets <laughs> yeah so uh so stuff didn't necessarily work out there and i went on another little adventure you know opportunity i was always one for it mm. uh and i kind of took the jump and and i went on another little adventure for about three years and then like i said opportunity showed up again uh, i was just getting ready to have uh, uh my first son and uh, so it was like I was working out of town a lot, doing traveling, doing construction, pretty much, you could say. Mm. And uh, it was time to to come home or, or see if I could find some at home that was going to be able to take care of my family the same way. And uh, Jim was more than ready to sell now. At that point. Uh, and I had somebody that was willing to to help me with a little bit of the offer to to get into the shop. And and uh, we made it happen. And that was April of 2017, I believe. We're in our third year already so moving through. and and that's the short but the gist of it you know it was a passion that started a long time ago and then as opportunity showed you know i jumped on the next boat on the next one and then now i'm here got the keys to the shop i guess you could say dude that's that's honestly so sick like going from like being an employee there which is which is like one of the main reasons that we have like or like having you on because we want to like get that side of the story um Mm -hmm. because when that was like when we were like hanging out like a ton and like hearing a lot of stories like coming out like you guys like working there like with the crew because you trav like you know a couple other people's like getting there like when the homies like get together and work like get work done yeah like you know jokes and like stuff comes out of it too like stories and then Mm -hmm. it rolls into like all right what are we doing after work now you know like that kind of deal too yeah but um the whole like so sick to to be able to go from like being there and having like you said having the vision of like i'm gonna do this one day to like actually Mm -hmm. like now it's that day like it's yours now um so yeah when when, it's still uh, every day you wake up it's just like man is it oh i'm sorry (laughs) go ahead go ahead go ahead yeah so when when you were working there like at the beginning before you like moved away you know and then came back or whatever like was jim like he was like you know how you're saying like he was looking to sell was he like 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 kind of showing you guys the ropes or was he hoping that one of you guys would take over or was he looking for like elsewhere or like like what was that like situation like you know kind of a little bit of both Mm -hmm. you know he he was always saying oh i'll sell it if anybody showed up with the money i'm sure he would have sold it right there Mm -hmm. Uh, plenty of people always called and said oh you know i'm gonna come buy it they never really did Mm -hmm. um and then my second year in, because it was, uh, it was an old school trade, you know, and for Jim to just say, let some young kid come in, start breaking stuff down. And, and Trevor did a lot of the breaking down most of that time. So there was uh, no need f- for me to do that, I guess. Uh, not right. yet. It was more, if you want to learn it, you stand at the boning table, you get fast enough there so that you get done and you can turn around and watch how it's done kind right. of deal. Uh, if you're fast enough or good enough, you get that opportunity. Uh, not till a couple years in, and then I was like, Jim, you know, I can, I can run this, dude. Like, I can answer the phone, I can do the bills, I can do the cutting orders. And then I was starting to let him jump, let me jump on the saw and break down beef and, and understand that part. And after I got that, the beef part done, that's when I was like, dude, you know, you need to start taking your vacations. You need to start leaving. Like, like, yeah. don't be scared to leave somebody else responsible. And it's hard now that I'm there. I understand, you know. Um, 
the if i'm not at the guy. shop it's like the yeah the feeling of hell no i'm not gonna leave somebody <laughs> there you know they're gonna what happens if something happens when i'm not there yep you know and i see that now i was just some dumb kid that was eager and ready to do it like dude let me show you that, that there's people that care mm-hmm. not uh, that other people didn't care, but they care as much as you do about the shop and making sure that it succeeds, even though they don't carry the responsibilities that you carry. Right. You don't have that. Like, and uh, that's a hard you. part. Everybody, everybody wants to do the next job, but nobody wants the responsibilities really. They just want to say, Oh yeah, I could do it. Now pay me for it. Right. Right. I was right. more of, you know, I'm going to put in my time. I'm going to show you that I could earn my keep and, and, you know, get it done that way a little bit more old school than some of these younger cats out here yeah because that is a part of like owning a business that people don't really understand until you actually do it like you you're not only responsible for your business but you're like in a way responsible for like families of like people that are like working for you because like you're employing those people and and those people have like families that are relying on their income and if the mm-hmm. business were to like fail or something were to happen and like now those people have to go and find another job, which might not take care yeah. of them the way that you can, which might not pay them as much as you can, which might be away from their family. You know what I mean? And not have that benefit. Yep. Um, so, yeah, dude, there is like a lot of responsibility that like falls on, you know, the the, the owner of the company that that people don't really take it take like into consideration when they want to like open a business. Yeah, no. Yeah. A lot of them see the eight to five, you know, yeah. we see the four o'clock to eight 30. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. The whole thing. Oh. And then, and then the responsibilities of like what happens when something like, cause as from the employee side, like if something breaks, like, Oh, the boss is going to take care of that. Like, you know, or yep. something oh. like, like isn't working. Oh, the boss is going to take care of that. Like, mm. Oh, bills coming. They'll through. just buy another one. Yeah. Or a bad customer, you know, like a customer that's like upset, like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, it was my fault. I'm gonna have to deal with the customer and like might not see that customer again, but from the owner's side, like, yo, we need to have that customer. Let's try to make it work some way. Yeah. That, yeah. It's crazy, man. Um, so what everybody counts and yeah, yeah, go for it. I was just going to say everybody counts, even if they come at you with a bad attitude, you know, I got to let the guys know you don't just get sour with them. Even if they're, you know, rude, it, it is what it is. Something happened. Uh, and we need to make sure that it was either an honest mistake mm-hmm. that we did, or if we really, you know, if we did that, Hey, we're more than willing to replace it or fix it for you. But if it's, if it's the way the cookie crumbles, then, you know, sometimes we got to put our foot down and say, you know, we did everything to make sure your product came out the best that it possibly could. And if it didn't, you know, we should have let you know before you picked it up or when you picked it up. And that was our fault for not letting you know that it didn't come out, you know, to, to everybody's yeah. standards, I guess. Right, yeah. right, right. Because when somebody comes in, like, brings something to you, like, there, there's only so much that you can, like, do out of it. You can make the best out of what you're given. But if somebody gives you, like, a product that, you know, you can't, like, create that product and make, like, like make it into something that it's not you know and again like produce something like you know what i mean like make their make their oh like, yeah 100 pounds <laughs> of meat like into a thousand i can't do that like if you gave me this amount and this quality this grade like i can't there's nothing i magically i can do to give you like a more tender or more flavorful like you know thing or more it, it, this is what you gave me and mm-hmm. this is and i can make the best out of it and yeah so i i can i can see that there's like a lot of like situations that go through there bro yeah that like that kind of stuff happening yeah man that's crazy yeah a lot of people do bring in stuff and uh most of our stuff is brought in from a butcher truck mm-hmm. so it's professionally done but then we have stuff that was slaughtered at home uh we call it trunk beef sometimes just because it shows up in the back of a trunk a mm-hmm. lot of people will say hey i got a beef or like oh let's check it out they pop on their truck it's either uh, the butcher did it at the house and they asked him to leave it there. And it's pretty obvious. We can tell when a professional does it or they show up with a bunch of pieces and are like, can you get T-bones? It's like, no, you cut them clean out of there. There's nothing left. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's like, I can do burger and maybe a few pieces of carne for you. Cause a piece might be big enough to slice. So, yeah. but they're like, do whatever at that point. So, <laughs> so when it comes to like people bringing in, um like uh like um 
I don't even know what to call it, like an animal, like beef or a cow or, or a pig or mm-hmm. something like that, pork. Like, what percentage would you say of it is like homegrown stuff that people are like raising and slaughtering, maybe like 4-H kids or, you know, that? And then what percentage of it is like hunting, like people going out and like harvesting like an elk or, um, you know, like, I don't know, even know if you would do like what other like animals you would do, like moose, bear, like what, like what percentages of it is we, that? We've cut a little bit of everything. I guess it would be, it's mainly elk and deer. Uh, we see a few bear, pretty rare we see those. Uh, what makes it tough for us is that at that same time of the year is getting ready to start of our busiest time of the year. So we have the most carcasses of beef and pig. It's mostly beef. We kind of cut off hogs at a certain point just because they don't turn enough money. They kind of more of get in the way um, uh, to be able to turn the beef product. Beef or what really essentially, if we cut enough, we can make enough money. Uh, to keep going and that's what makes it tough we tell the hunters uh over the last three years most of the hunters that have got accustomed to me uh, we don't have enough hooks for them uh, oh. to hang the animal oh to is dry what it, it comes out, down right? to we have a certain limited uh, yeah so well to even just hang it in our cooler and keep it cold oh, okay it's just because there's so many animal carcasses already coming in uh we tell them call tell me the week before you're coming in i'll let you know if i have room for hooks or if you have to, we tell a lot of the hunters, if you can fit it into a cooler, like pretty much broke down or boned out to a certain extent. It's like, if you can get it in a cooler or ice chest, I can put it in my cooler. And I do about four to five of those a week during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely do I have room to hang a carcass. So a lot of hunters are pretty bummed out. Um, so I would say uh, the wild game is a, is a pretty small percentage and that comes down to because we don't have enough room or time to essentially process the animal. I try to do as much as I can, and but there comes a point where I say, okay, I got to stop accepting animals and make sure that I can take care of the animals that are in here to make sure that my customers have the best product they can get back rather than disregarding and saying, okay, I'm going to take on another 300 pounds of meat just to make another a wild game. We do charge more too. So yeah, it is a nicer a penny return on it but but when do we really see those customers pretty rarely mm-hmm. uh they're just calling because i just shot a deer i'm in the mountains man i got it skinned out dude what am i gonna do with it it's like well you're a hunter so first of all you should know what to do with the animal <laughs> yeah. you know it's just like no you know <laughs> you and then they show up and <laughs> you know you should have thought about that before yeah <laughs> Uh, so that happens a lot. You get a lot of panic under just like, dude, I'm sorry. You know, you're going to be able to call every shop in Washington and, and half of them are going to be pretty much full at that time of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them do reserve certain spots for wild games. So a lot of places do just wild game. And there's a couple that we refer people to. It's like, Hey, this guy just cuts wild game. He's a good friend of ours, you know, take it over there. He'll get you taken care of. Sorry. We couldn't, you know, get you. We wish we could, you know, we wish we could do every single animal and every person that calls, but quality over quantity, I guess. Oh, definitely. Because if uh, the more, like you're saying, yeah, quality over quantity, the more things you take on, the more rush you're going to be going through and the more mistakes get made. And you don't want that to be like, you know, the, the, the word around, you know, that, that starts happening. Um, Mm -hmm. So dude, like being a butcher and like meat cutting is such like, it's, like a profession like as old as time like as long as like people have been on the earth there have been like people like you know breaking down like meat and like doing everything like that and like you you think back to like even like older movies and stuff like there's always like you know a butcher there's always like something like in it like in like the old towns like shops and everything like it being such an old profession i'm sure there's like old techniques that like still work to this day like old things that are like still working but is there anything new that's like coming out that people are starting to ask for like new techniques or new cuts or um, kind of new things to kind of do with, with, you know, with like, with like uh, beef or with like pork or anything like that. Like, is there new stuff that people are asking for nowadays? Uh, kind of, it's kind of limited uh, what we have. Uh, we can pretty much do everything. So say you walk into a retail storefront, there's going to be all kinds of fancy cuts mm-hmm. and all kinds of things like that. And what we tell the people is like, yeah, we can do that. But your whole cow or your whole half, we're only going to be able to get one, not 
the 10 that you see in the pack there are oh, there yeah. and they're not going to be they're not usually going to be as pretty as you see there uh, because that's the beef that was raised and it was slaughtered and it weighed 1200 pounds on the rail hanging when it comes in uh, most of our beef are around 650 to, to 750 uh, and that's a significant difference from the stuff you know our biscuits for the custom people that come in most of the time and these are farmers that raise really nice beef so yeah we get 800,000 pounders we we see it all but the average i would say is 650 to 750 so that's like a, a six to eight pound brisket you go into cash and carry and winco you're walking out with the 16 pound brisket yeah like cuts now way larger yeah, it, yeah, yeah way larger so a lot of people for the first time buyers are like man i got this half a cow i'm so excited i'm gonna walk out with like they're thinking they're gonna get a box that's the size of a half a cow yeah this is like nah dude you didn't buy a 1200, you didn't buy a 600 pound half, you bought a 300 pound half. So everything's going to be cut down a heck of a lot smaller just because of the starting carcass, I guess you could say. And that's one of the biggest parts that, that some people, it's hard for the beginners to get at. It's just like, uh, oh man, that, that's a lot smaller. Right. But I have seen, uh, I say over the last, uh, right before I left and, and now that I'm back, uh, a lot of people started asking for the tri-tip. Mm-hmm. that's an, a, a little roast that uh, when I was first taught to cut with Jim, we just cut right through that sucker. You know, mm-hmm. we just cut it clean through and uh, to get another piece off. And we never worried about it. Uh, Cause it, it's a, it's, I see it as a time thing. Not a lot of butchers want to stop to pull that certain little muscle out, right. but we've got so good at it that it, now it's just a standard cut that if you don't even ask for it, we just give it to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, before it was just a cut that we cut through and it went into hamburger and stew meat pretty much right uh the tri-tip is that um and then another uh one is the top sirloin and tenderloin steak so before what we used to cut was just we called it a sirloin steak and it was a bone-in sirloin it kind of looked like a little teardrop and that's an old-fashioned cut mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the old timers a lot of uh, a lot of the older butchers uh used to do that cut but a lot of younger people like boneless steaks mm-hmm. uh so we started switched over we went from cutting the sirloin a uh, steak standard to a, a top sirloin and a few tenderloin medallions mm-hmm. and because everybody says where's my tenderloins where's right, my where's tenderloins it's like oh we cut you sirloins and they got two or three on there yeah it's a filet everybody wants their filet yeah and uh, we tell them now don't think you're gonna get a whole filet's worth you're only gonna get you know three to four decent ones off that little chunk that we get you but it gives them and we've seen people uh i i see them getting a lot more custom and we've actually got a lot younger crowd coming in and purchasing meat uh compared to what it was even three years ago uh just because there's so many new farmers out there uh, that are closer to our age and that are that are pushing the beef yeah we still have a lot of the old timers that have been coming to the shop for 25 years you know and have the same amount of beef get killed on the exact same day every year Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got a lot of the new ones that started with two. Now they got 10. Now they're like, Mike, I got 15, 20. I need to get on your schedule. It's like, oh, okay. So that's what I've seen before we were booked uh, August through January. Now we're booked, uh, let's say, uh, July, August through uh, March. And that's mm-hmm. solid. That means we're cutting 20 to 25 beef a week. Uh, it might not sound like a lot, but to put out five beef in a day with four to five people, and be done by 5 30 it's it, it's it's a long day and my day usually starts that time around 4 35 uh, i got you know like this monday i have 300 pounds of hamburger patties to cut before the guys show up at eight o'clock and that's cut and wrap and get them boxed or else i'm going to be paying three guys to stand there and, and wrap hamburger patties and really that doesn't something else. that's not going to pay the make any money yeah so when we could be breaking down a carcass and, and actually paying some bills so, but as for new cuts, really the tri-tip, top sirloin, uh, tenderloin, those three cuts have really changed it a lot and made a lot more of the younger generation happy. Other than that, you know, we do a lot of prime ribs or like with the lamb. I see people before it was just leg of lamb. A lot of people are wanting it bone rolled and tied. I hear, I get a lot of that now. They want boneless rolls, boneless stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's more of the new thing, uh, but not too much that it's really affected that I see a whole trend in it. Mm-hmm. So, so with all those cuts, uh, is there a way, I know you said there's like, now it's like a standard, but uh, is there a way of like, this person brings you this whole cow or whatever, 
um, is there like a checkoff list that they're like, oh, I want these like special, these special cuts that you could do, or is everything just standard at this point now that you're doing all those? That's what makes it nice about our shop. A lot of custom shops uh, have a standard cut and they say, you kind of follow this because then that's going to allow us to cut this many animals a day. And it's under a certain amount of time frame that we know we're going to be able to hit if you cut it this way. Yeah. Uh, we charge one price and we cut it however you want it cut. Um, we, we have a cutting order. I say, I'm going to go down my questions and ask you, or you, you know, if you have your list, go ahead and go down your list. I usually tell me it's easier to let me do mine. And then uh, it's kind of a standard. That's all the standard questions. Yes or no, hamburger or keep it, you know, hamburger or keep it, steak or roast out of that. Um, and we tell them. And then at the end, I say, okay, is there anything that you didn't hear? Anything that you wanted to make sure and get any special cuts, anything like that? And usually you say, nope, it's good. Or, oh, hey, I heard of this cut or I heard of this. Or a lot of times the question is, what about a prime rib? Uh, and we say, okay, you want a prime rib that sacrificed your rib steaks that you're going to get. Right. So I can cut you a whole prime rib. I can cut you a prime rib and cut it in half to give you two of them. Or I can cut you a three bone prime rib. And that means that I cut a couple of steaks off the end, off of each end to the, get to the three bones in the center. And it gives you the, a nice cut of the three bone. Now, do we always offer that stuff? No, because that means that I have to stop, bone something out, a whole extra piece, and then tie it up while the other three guys have already caught up and are tapping the table, like, where's my next piece at? Yeah. Um, do I love to do it? Heck yeah, if we had all the time, I would tie that stuff up all day. Uh, but do we stop and do it if a customer, a customer asks? Definitely. Yeah, we have no problem. Um, if they want it, they're gonna say how much extra? And it's like, usually it's not. We include that in the price. Uh, a lot of the other shops, start changing their price. They can say, okay, you want New York and t or tenderloins instead of T-bones, we're gonna charge you an extra nickel uh, per pound just because of the time that it takes to cut it out. And and really, if you cut the T-bone, if you're fast enough, you should be able to cut the T-bone and trim it the same amount of time that you pull that tenderloin and that top loin out, trim it up and cut those by hand. Because when you do the T-bone, you gotta scrape them to get the bone dust off. When you do the bone mistakes, you're cleaning it up, cutting it, and it's ready to wrap. There's no scraping involved. So I can see the balance where it could be. And I can see where other custom shops are like, we're going to charge you more to do it. It's just like, no, nah, I'm willing to do a little more work to make sure that you pay one set price and there's no, oh, hey, surprise, by the way, you asked for this, your bill is going to be an extra $27 more. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's dope. That's, that's like a whole like interview. You're pretty much giving an interview for this, the cuts that they want. That's dope. That's just like, face-to-face -face talking instead of just giving them like a piece of paper, like, what do you want? You know what I mean? And especially yeah. wanting to do the work that other butchers aren't willing to do, or if they are, they're paying more. So it's like your, your clientele is always going to come back just for that reason. You know, you're, you're willing to work for, for them basically, you know? Yeah, and and that's how I see it. Uh, we don't, we don't make a lot of money at the shop. It's more of a, a labor of love. We're there providing a, uh, a necessity that a lot of these farmers and a lot of these people actually rely on. If we weren't there, yeah, another shop's going to do it someday. Another shop's going to open here or there. Uh, but a lot of people do rely on us. And, it, and that's what I noticed when I first started working there is that uh, this is a dying trade. Uh, it's a dying art. It's something that a lot of nobody wants to do the extra work to do. And a lot of our community, the small community around here actually really rely on the meat that comes from these small farmers. And, and I didn't, I was blind to all of that before I started working there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, there's, and, and I think a lot of it now, I'm hoping that it like comes back like all like for you, like being like, you know, like one of the homies, bro, like hope that it like continues to move, to like move forward and like grow a little bit. Cause I can't see that it has like going back a little bit, having like Walmart and Safeway and all these things there where you can just go and pick things up like the 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 idea of having like homegrown stuff but i can also see a little bit of like the homegrown making like a little bit of a comeback because people are wanting to see things like from farm to table people are wanting to see things mm -hmm. um like you know like uh like gmo free or whatever it may be like the the grass yep. bed like wanting to to do that and um i think a lot of it has to do with like like social media maybe like instagram and stuff like that or like people talking about it and now more people are communicating about um you know things that are coming up um but do you think that do you think that that has like anything to do with or or do you do you see 
like that being like a way that you want to go like more like organic fed and do you have like farmers coming in with with those types of things like letting you know that or just even in talking like yeah these are um this is a uh, this is beef that i've raised like pure grass-fed pure like no like uh, hormones no anything like that it, it, do you see a lot more of that happening now we see a lot of it advertises that you know they mm-hmm. say it's grass-fed and and it's that and and i can tell you there's grass-fed and then there's somebody that's put a lot of time we have maybe maybe two farmers let's say out of 50 mm-hmm. that say that their animal are grass-fed that are actually up to a you know it's, it's, it's rude to say but up to a standard to where okay this is 100 percent grass-fed there was nothing else given to this animal and it came out looking awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, we get a lot of grass fed where, okay, you can tell they put it in their field and threw some water out there. And then they added a dollar onto the price and said, this is grass fed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's just like, that ain't no premium beef. <laughs> the truth is really in the truth you is know, really in the meat. Like when it comes out, you can tell. Like, it is. I mean, yeah. And then like the one farmer I'm saying, it, it's, it's one farmer really. And, and he's got his fields and his grass types and his rotation of his animals down to a perfect T that when he says, you know, I'm bringing in a grass fed animal that I know that, oh man, this is, this is what people, if they wish they could get grass fed premium animal, this is, and the customers would ask and say, we're willing to pay price for it. I could send you to one person and that guy will be able to give you, you know, straight up grass fed animal. I could refer you to 10 other people that yeah, they fed their animal grass in the summertime where it grazed on the pasture. And as soon as that winter hit, you know, there was hay and corn and grain on it. Mm-hmm. Now, as I, am I saying anything's better, better? Not really. Uh, it, whatever makes you happy in your heart, you know, you're going to go for the grass fed if you, if you believe in it. Uh, I've seen plenty of grain finished animals, I guess you could say that, you know, it's, it's a lot more, quality i guess and a lot more assurance that you're going to come out with a good animal rather than thinking oh you know i made sure fresh water fresh grass it takes a lot of work to be able to do that okay so but i do see a lot of people that advertise and say hey you know grass fed uh and some of them do say grain finished if they ask me i say you know i'm not 100 percent i wouldn't be able to tell you you'll have to ask the farmer if they did feed it anything else um, so you were saying how like you can like refer somebody. So let's say somebody were to like get in contact with you and were to say like, hey, Mike, like I don't raise something of my own, but I am interested in getting, you know, like some beef and I don't want to go through, you know, the supermarket process. I want something like homegrown. I want something from like that farmer that you're talking about that has that. Um, is that like, uh, is that something that like somebody could call you and then you can be like, yeah, like I'll refer you to this guy. And then you go through that, like, like, you know, give them that phone number and then they can go through and have a conversation with that person, kind of negotiate a price and then come through. Is that something that you do? Yeah, uh, we do get calls like that often. Um, For pigs, for some reason, it's hard for me. I used to have one farmer that did it on a regular basis and he was quite a bit older and his son has kind of pushed the the pig part away. So referring people to pigs has been a pretty tough challenge. Uh, but as for beef, yeah, all the time, the first question I ask them, you want grass fed, you know, could, or do you want grain finished? Uh, so that way I know in the direction I say, cause if you want grass fed, it's going to cost you a real penny. And I'm only going to tell you about a couple people, or if you want grain finished, I have about two to three customers that, well, I got 50 customers that I could refer you to, but I know that there's two to three that I know it's going to be consistent quality and, and a nice beef that, that I don't have to worry if it is going to be decent, uh, decent animal coming in. And yeah, I tell them, give them a call and they have beef coming in at certain times of the year. So make sure you get on your schedule at that time. And then we'll pretty much when your name shows up in our book, we'll be giving you a call. That's tight. That's that's all tight. Yeah, dude, that's, um, it's something that I'm, well, I think I'm pretty sure that's where my dad like had his like beef go through like over, I'm pretty sure like he was over there talking to you. Um, the last time, like, we got something, because I go outside to grab something, like, from the freezer when we're, like, cooking up, and that's whose name I see, like, Albert's Custom, dude, and it's so sick to see, bro. Yeah, you got a beef in there right now. Yeah, it's honestly so tight to see, like, <laughs> like. It's in there right now. Your dad was in there the other day doing a cutting order, and he's all, 
Hold on, let me take a picture because she might want to change it. They always, the husbands always do the cut in order, but it's a big mistake. Don't ever do it. <laughs> and then sure enough, your mom called probably two minutes later. I don't even think he made it home yet. He probably sent her the picture and she was like, oh no, we need to change this, this, and this. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. It was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and see stuff like that. Uh, when it. I see names of, of friends or, or stuff like that come in, you know, I get excited. Um, more just because it's you know i cut meat for strangers all day long and it's just like it's exciting to know that i get to put it in somebody's freezer and know that that i know them i guess i don't know it, you know it gets me excited it's like man don't let me know hey mike that rap was shitty or you know hey everything's came out good i tell me the beast tastes like crap that that wasn't my problem yeah. my problem is if the rap looks good or not mm -hmm. so and that's what a lot of people sometimes we get calls and it's like hey you know it tasted like this or that it's like you know, all that really comes down to how the animal was raised. Uh, what was it fed? Uh, what environment? And, and yeah, we have somewhat effect if, you know, if it's a 115 degree or 100 degrees outside and the butcher's out there butchering four animals, uh, that's maybe not the safest thing to do because that first carcass that goes in the truck is going to be sitting there for the next three hours cooking in the 100. Um, now, do we blame anything on the butcher? No, not necessarily, because a lot of times during the summer, it usually wasn't too busy. Last year is a whole different story. You know, we were full time uh, all 12 months last year. And usually March, April through June and July is a hit and a miss. There's meat sometimes and there's not. So that's what's been an interesting thing. Dude, do you ever, I want to ask you, do you ever like want to throw on like a great jumpsuit and like throw on like a, a black beanie and just start punching uh, meat? all the time everybody <laughs> first every employee that ever walked in is just like man every time I, or you take them into the cooler for the first time and they're just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, it don't matter it don't matter what animals there they just go at it it's yeah. just like oh man i feel like rocky in here it's just like yeah i need you to feel like rocky out there on the boning table so <laughs> get out there yeah for every rocky yeah for every rocky yeah. there's uh what's his name what's the other guy's name shit paulie <laughs> the little guy yeah. oh Paulie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I need you to be Polly. Get out there and cut some shit up, dog. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, but yeah, dude, like like I was saying, man, it's it's awesome. Like how how I think you were kind of saying that it's fun to like see like a you know a customer like a friend's name come up on a customer list instead of like cutting for a stranger. Like from my end too. Like that's what feels good about like having friends that are in like kind of different businesses to be able to go to somebody um like you and get like you know a quality product rather than just go to like you know supermarket go here go there and pick something up that's convenient mm -hmm. you know not you can't knock the convenience and and like you're saying like you're you're gonna like from you you might not be able to get 10 like ribeyes to feed like everybody out of one beef like that's where a convenience store comes in or you know something like that but like mm -hmm. i i now more i think because um, just like growing up a little bit and um, like being a little bit more responsible, like financially, like knowing where your dollar's going, like makes a huge yeah. difference to me now, like makes a huge difference to where I'm like, yo, like this is where we got to go and like get the the cutting done. Like, you know, like this is where we're going. If we're going to get something is going to be from Albert's because like we can go somewhere else, but somewhere else isn't my friend. Like somewhere else isn't going mm -hmm. to take care of me in that way. I'm going to be just another customer on somebody's list, which isn't to say that like, you know, people don't take care of people they don't know. Cause of course, like, you know, you want to put out a good product, we, but I, yes. I want to, I, I like going there because like you're helping, like helping each other out. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, where we're supporting one another in the things that we need like i'm going to be taken care of on our end when it comes to like the product that we get and i know that i'm not giving my money to somebody that like isn't appreciating it i know that i'm not giving my money to somebody who doesn't give a shit about me like somebody that's really going to take care and like somebody that been rocking with from like day one dude like yeah so yep dude it's fucking awesome i man. see it the appreciation level yeah dude yeah definitely yep. Definitely. I love it, man. But yeah, like really have been like somebody like rocking with, with from like day one. Like, dude, we we talked about we were with Pedro like last week or a couple weeks ago and talking about like 
like playing ball behind the high school and shit. Like, you remember those days? Yeah, like, man. <laughs> those were the good days. <laughs> those were really like sneaking yep. under fences. We were like in third grade. And like, then we were on yep. the only thing we were worried about was like making sure that we get like, you had enough like change in our pocket to get like a burrito at the store or something to like now, yep. you know, like, dude, like you're doing your thing. Like, you know, us like trying to get like stuff put together too. Like, bro, it's so awesome to see people succeed and like people that like we rock with man it's so awesome to see bro it's crazy it's crazy it's exciting yeah definitely definitely um i don't know like is there do you have i'm sure there's um you know uh um i'm sure you got like a couple war stories uh i don't know if you want to like put any like customers out there i don't want you to like get anybody in trouble or get yourself like you know in any hot water but uh but do you have any like uh any like war stories or any like you know like um, kind of slip ups or something that you're just like, do you like, what the fuck was that all about? Like kind of stories like that, that we could throw on somewhere. I don't know. Maybe, uh, you, you know, it's tough. Uh, there's a couple. Yeah. We've made our small mistakes here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's when we get a, a new employee and we're trying to teach them. And uh, cause it's, it's confusing. It's fast paced. There's a lot of meat going through on the table and everything has to be labeled and named just right. Um but a lot of times the guys, we ask them to go get an order out or something like that. And uh, they'll go grab a wrong basket or a wrong name. Well, there's no coming back after you dump two different baskets of somebody's cuts into the same box. You know, if they have the same oh, date, shit, you're definitely yeah. screwed. You know, the most we can pray is it like, okay, this basket was cut on this day and this basket was cut on this day. Mm-hmm. So we can do a save and go back and do it. But uh, sometimes you just can't do that. If the guy does it, it's 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 a done deal. And we've had to replace a few things. And that's one of the things that we do. It's like, hey, that's an honest mistake. You know, we'll, we'll fix it. We obviously did something that we shouldn't have. Um, stuff like that. Uh, they're, they're minor things. And there's stuff that's going to happen and hiccups that are going to happen. You just got to take them with grace and, and let the, the customer know, hey, it, it wasn't on purpose. We didn't stash your box back there. Um, the guy just dumped it in the wrong one, you know, and 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 we're here to fix it. We're not here to just say, "Hey, you're you're, you're shit out of luck." Mm-hmm. You know, that's a big part of it. Um, another one, I guess you could say, uh, my my wife's been helping the last two years. Also, she's been a great help. That's we wouldn't be where we're at if she wasn't there. Uh, but one of the customers, because I'm a pretty quiet guy, I just tell people, "Yeah, yeah," you know, they sit yeah, there and call. Right. They're like, "Hey, this was." You know, there comes a point when you're on the phone, it's like, well, Google said this. As soon as they say that, I'm like, you're out. Well, the butcher <laughs> says this, you know. Yeah. It's like, you can go to Google if you want, but I seen your animal. I know what it looked like, and it was not the Google animal. Did Google feed and water your animal for you, you know? It was just like, no, it didn't. Um, a lot of people call like that. You know, we take it with grace. We try to let them know, let them down easy. You know, this is the way your animal was. This is the return that you got. This is why you got that return. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one big deal for us is during our busy season that we need cutting orders. Now we, we tell people your animal hangs for 10 to 14 days. Uh, that's, that's the guarantee that we somewhat give because that's just a standard from back in the day. Uh, a lot of people ask for 21 day hangs during certain times of the year. We're like, there's no way because of the way we have to rotate our cooler, whatever comes to that door, we have to cut that day in order to make room for the butcher to show up the next day. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised. A lot of people, you know, and you guys pay a lot of money for this meat as well. And that's my thought is that like you paid the farmer, you know, $3 a pound, two fifty a pound, some people four or $5 a pound for that half a half a beef or full carcass. So some people are forking out $1,200. Some people are forking out $2,500 before they even get to me. So I'm thinking you got a big investment. This is a year, year and a half investment. You think you would be on that shit, you know, like this is my beef. I paid for it. Where's it at? What time is it going to be done? And, uh, and and we kind of like people like that because when we get a beef in and then it's due in two days and we haven't heard from the person, we haven't been able to get a hold of them. Uh, that's on the last message I call and I say, Hey, your beef is going to get cut standard. It's going to be my standard. It's going to be the fastest way I can get it on that table and in the wrap and in the freezer. Uh, it's not necessarily going to be the way you like it or the way it's going to feed your family. Now that's not something I'm proud of or that I like to do because I'm there to cut your beef for your family, for you, the way that you want to utilize it to the maximum potential, not just some way that I got it in and out and got paid for it. That, that stuff bothers me. 
um, there's one gentleman and, and she just kept calling and, and uh, he would call and say, okay, I'm going to call back with names tomorrow. You know, I'll give them to you. Uh, and I think we were on day 15 or six, or it was day 13. And she told the gentleman, if we do not have the names by tomorrow, uh, we, we are going to start cutting the beef. And it was five beef. So it was a, it was a heavy load and it mm -hmm. had, you know, five beef all split in half. So there's 10 to 12 customers on there. And he told my wife, hey, lady, I don't know who you think you are. And, uh, and that was, you know, that's just some dude telling her like, Hey lady, I don't know who you think you are. Yes. And you know, we're all over there cutting and working her asses off. And you just hear, I'm the owner's wife. I am the <laughs> owner, you know, and we just all, oh, man, what did he say? Shit you just know, got what did real, he say? Dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you let him have it now. You know, when they get to that point, they obviously don't have respect for us either. Yeah, and she yeah. wasn't calling, being rude. She's like, I need these names. I need these people to call me so that, you know, show us a little respect. Also, we're trying to run a legitimate business. Right. And, and, we're trying to do the best and, and make sure and take care of everybody a hundred percent, you know, not just everybody half-assed. We want to make sure everybody gets their full opportunity as well. Uh, and yeah, after he told her that it was just like, we told the butcher, you know, he's out for next year and he has five spots in October. Now five spots in October is like tickets to the Super Bowl. Damn. Uh, if not even more. Yeah. yeah. Um, People call and ask, you know, I got one beef in October. When, you know, can I get it this next year? You could say we're booked in October and November uh, pretty much until the day I sell the shop, until the day we die. Or maybe tell people, they're like, oh, what? So somebody has to die for me to get that spot? And it's like, essentially, yes. Kinda. They have to pass. And then their children either have to say, we're not bringing beef in anymore or do not give up our spots. It's and that's the usual season thing. tickets. It's literally season, season tickets. That's like how Packers, I was going to compare. Bro. You ain't going to get it. Yeah. yeah. You ain't going to get it. Yeah. And a lot of people bother, you know, they call and we laugh when they say, Hey, I got 10 beef in October. And it's like, you ever raised beef before? Is this your first year? Like, come on, man. Like, you know, you can call every shop almost in Washington and say, I want 10 beef in October. You're going to be like, you're out, dude. There's, yeah, there's yeah. no way. The people no that have been on my October list have been there for 20 years, you know, 30 yeah. years. So, and that was with Jim uh, before mm -hmm. his head count, we cut about 10 to 15 beef a week. Mm -hmm. So when I was cutting, it was casual as could be. It's like, man, I went and worked my ass off. I was done in and out. Now we're cutting 20 to 25 a week. So we've almost doubled the amount of uh, animals going through the shop. And, and uh, just to see the timing, the amount of work we do is, is just out of control. So, I think my first year I cut around 89 to almost 90 beef in October. And this last year we did 109. So to me, even to cut one more beef was going to be, uh, you know, a, a stepping stone for me and, and be an accomplishment. And to know that we cut almost a whole week's worth more mm -hmm. was, uh, was really exciting for me. It just, you know, and we had a new crew. It, it was a tough time. So it's like, just to know that we can do it, that is that, that as long as you find people that are willing to work hard next to you, that you can really get it done. Mm. That's the hard part, finding people that are willing to grind with you. Right, exactly. Yeah. Do now that you um, like kind of see like the amount that you're able to do grow a little bit, um, in what ways have you guys grown other than the amount of like kind of animals that you're processing? Or is like new equipment? Are you thinking about maybe adding on like some space or? Or are you, you know, at that point yeah, yet, we would love to, yeah, we would love to expand. Uh, that's definitely one of our goals. And that's what I was thinking about the other day. You know, if we expand, we either go from 25 beef a week to a hundred, you know, or do we build the same size of shop and do 25 to 35 beef a week to make sure that we keep our numbers small mm. and a good quality. Um, you know, that's the dance that I think I'm kind of stuck in right now, or the limbo, I guess, is, you know, mm -hmm. if we're going to go, do we go super big? Because we have everybody tell us, you know, oh, you go bigger, but that's not always true. You know, we go bigger. It doesn't mean we're always going to be better. You might uh, lose we the have quality a, in that way. Yeah. If you go too big. Yeah. And I got to be responsible for 10 more people rather than just the five that I have. And that's a lot more mistakes get made that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where we're kind of stuck or what we're looking at. But we do know that we would like to to at least build a new facility. It's just the size of facility that we want is where we're stuck out. Uh, we got blessed this last month. And so uh, we actually got a couple of grants from the WSDA uh, and they helped us get a new grinder, a new saw, a new slicer. 
a new stuffer and a new kill truck. Oh shit! So Dude, we I actually saw that came on the, out uh, on the on the Instagram page. Like I saw some yeah. of the equipment getting unwrapped, and I'm like, though there's like, some mean machines. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. man, like, like, not that, not. Uh, I feel like people like looking at that, like, aren't going to appreciate it as much as like I'm sure you do. Like that's like a brand new fucking car, bro. Like each one of those is a toy. brand new car. Yeah, it's my <laughs> brand new toy right there. I can't wait to break that in. Like you know, so yeah. I, like you on the slicer, like getting some stuff done, like. That, dude, that was pure like carne, Christmas, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it was Christmas, yeah. dog. Christmas, no, it's, man. It's exciting to get all that new equipment, and yeah. then to know that I got because we had a slaughter truck, and it was a, it's an old truck, you know, it's beat up. It, it really limited us to what where we could go and how far we could travel or the amount of time. And and uh, I think the kill truck that we got, we still use our same old box. We just moved it from our old one to the new body of truck, I guess you could say. And it's been a real big upgrade and and uh, our kill truck because uh, we have a butcher that brings us about 99% of our beef. And then I have a kill truck myself and he fills the gaps and just does the extras pretty much. But uh, we've doubled his workload as well. Before it was, you know, one animal a month here and there. And now I got him doing five every weekend. Mm-hmm. So, cause he, he has another job, so we don't get to use him all week. It's just a, a weekend filler kind of right 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 but we use it and so we we've been real blessed and uh we actually got a freezer also so uh that's all the equipment we're getting concrete laid this friday the freezer shows up wednesday so we're not necessarily building a new building but we're getting to the point to where we should feel comfortable and be able to cut a little bit more extra and still have the room that was the hardest part yeah we could cut more beef and i could cut saturday and sunday if i wanted to uh but our freezers fill up and when nobody picks up, you're stuck. You know, yeah, there's nothing up. more. There's we can only put can so many boxes in there and nowhere to walk. And then think about, okay, you walk and open a freezer door and there's boxes all the way up to it. I need the order that's 10 rows back and on the very bottom. Well, we don't know it's there. We got to dig through every single box in order to find that one. And that's what makes it tough when they're full. So we're hoping the, the new freezer really opens up our space. And we've been working on our organization and putting stuff in certain orders and and really getting the crew to understand how important it is to keep stuff organized and in order to make our day go a lot faster. Because I can't have somebody going looking for an order and stop cutting meat or shooting burger and spend 20 minutes doing that. That's a whole half of beef that we could have had done and in and out when you're getting one order out, you know? So that's what makes that part tough. So the new freezer and all that space should really expand and help us. So it's pretty much dedicated to one farmer, that freezer. He brings in so much meat. He brings in so much meat that uh, he'll fill a 10 by 14 freezer for us. So uh, he runs a feedlot over on the other side. And and that's what really, uh, during the summertime, a lot of times it's just me and one guy. There's not enough meat to cut to pay the bills for everybody. Uh, We cut just enough to pay the bills for the shop. Last year, we were lucky enough that we ran a full five-man crew five days a week, all summer long. Uh, The COVID kind of had to deal with that. People were panic buying, going nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was good for us though. I mean, it kept us busy 12 months out of the year rather than the eight months out of the year that that were full time pretty much. So, but it's exciting to get all that new equipment and know that we can turn and burn. And and I told the guys, I was like, I think you think I work you hard now, just get ready. Now (laughs) that I know that I got all kinds of room to put stuff, it's like, yeah. I like to work it's 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 a hobby I guess yeah that's good dude and knowing that like it's you're gonna be the one that benefits from it you know what I mean which I think probably Mm -hmm. like adds a lot to it like yeah you know it's 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 hard to say like I'm gonna like bust my ass you know for like somebody above me but when it's for yourself you're like oh yeah I'm gonna be the one who's like gonna like reaping the benefits for this so like let me be the hardest worker and I think in that way that like falls like it, your employees see that like definitely i'm sure like because i've worked for bosses i have past. one yeah <laughs> yeah i've worked for bosses in the past that i'm like fuck man like this guy just he's just coming in and just probably not even the hardest worker like it's your dollar that's on top of everything and you're just like trying to like you know push me to be like you know and work like my ass off but like if it's your dollar like shouldn't you be like the hardest worker you know in that way 
Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sure like that's like, you know, that like comes across definitely. Like I've always thought that way. Like if you're going to be the top dog, like then like need to be one of the hardest workers, you know, at some point. Yeah. And that's good, bro. A lot of people ask me that when I took over is, are, are you going to be able to do it? You know? And I said, well, going into it, I looked at it as if everybody left me because nobody cares, you know, nobody's got responsibility. I said, I need to know, yeah, I could go in and cut one beef or two beef a day by myself. Uh, would it make it, you know, yeah, I would pay the bills for myself, but would it, would it be a company or, or a business? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that I know that I could go in. And uh, that's what I'm excited about now is one of my employees, he, he shows up early with me. You know, nobody shows up early to work. I'm, I'm an early bird. I'm there early getting stuff done. Uh, he shows up early. He stays late. He goes out on the butcher truck with Sam. He's an eager guy and he likes to make money. What makes me feel good is that I'm right next to him, shoulder to shoulder, you know, grinding just as hard, not saying, oh, do that, do that, and do that for me. The only time I ask him to do something is because I can't stop doing what I'm doing to keep the circle moving. And uh, it's good to know to see somebody that has the passion. And and uh, he, he's a lot younger than all of us, and and he's a little guy, but uh, he's got the passion. And I can see that he he's loving the trade as, as much as us. And it's good to see that. A lot of other people show up and say, hey, man, I'm here eight to five. I'll work. You know, my phone rings, my girlfriend, I'm going to go in the bathroom for another 15 minutes. It's like that stuff slows us down. And but it, it's all a part of it. You know, yeah. uh, some people don't have the ethics that others do and, and some do. But it's exciting to know that that he's working hard. And uh, one thing that I told him, I was like, when I worked, I always thought, you know, the harder I work and as long as you had a good boss or respected them and they showed something towards you. You know, I always tell him the harder that I worked and the more money that I make for my boss, I feel like he's going to push back on me. So, and, and the more I see that kid working, the harder, you know, it's always, here's, here's a little bit extra. Here's a little bit extra shit. He makes more than all of us. Now he works so damn hard though. It's like, bro, you got to stay home one of these days. You're going to cut your hours. It's like, you can't, can't afford to pay you no more. Yeah, no, so, But yeah. That, it's good. It, it's a passion that you want somebody there next to you with you because yep. it, it makes your day easier. And they understand that if everybody worked hard, man, every day, everybody's day would be easy. But when somebody else doesn't work hard and they're like, oh, you're working super hard. Yep. I can just lax. I can just chill and you're pick up my slack. Yeah. It's just like you want to get rid of them, but you need them there for certain parts of the day also that make your day easier. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a tough balance. And uh, it's hard to, to explain to the crew or hard for them to understand how much work I really put out in the day to make sure that they get a decent day and have a full day's work, I guess. Hell yeah. That's sick, dude. That's sick, bro. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say, bro. I'm fucking proud of you, bro. Proud of you. That's, that's sick. Thank you. Bro. I appreciate able it. That, you know? bro. Able to be where you're at. Um, going from, I remember I was like at Burger Ranch. I remember like hitting you up one of the first times because I seen your name in the paper that like you were kind of taking over the mm-hmm. business, changing the name. I'm like, dude, like yep. that's sick, bro. Making a big dog move. And, I remember and, uh, that. No, it was exciting. You know, you yeah. did a shout out. It was like, yeah, somebody, you know, that's cool. So. <laughs> I see you, bro. I see you. I see you. Definitely see you in the papers. Shit. See you in my freezer, bro. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm proud of it. So um that's so, yeah. what we want. Yeah, hell yeah. Thanks for being on, bro. Why don't you uh why don't you take this time to uh shout out the business, uh your pages, wherever they can find you, you know, whatever you want to do, so uh people can uh people can make sure to get to uh to your spot. All right, we're Alvord's Custom Meats, we're in Sunnyside, Washington, uh 6852 Van Bell Road. Uh just a small little shop out there. Uh we turn and burn, we put out a lot of meat though. Uh, you can find us. It's pretty simple on Facebook and Instagram, Alvord's Custom Meats, uh, all one word. Uh, we're just getting into our social media, so bear with us. We're, I'm not the greatest at it. My wife has been on it more, uh, posting a lot more pictures and getting us out there a lot more. Uh, so it's exciting. Hit us up. Give us a call. If you want any booking, make sure you get ready to, to schedule your animal a good couple of weeks to doubt because we can't always be out the next day. Uh, but we'll guarantee that we're going to be there to take care of you and get whatever you need done. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell oh, yeah. Dude. Thanks for being here, bro. Thanks for being here. We'll Thanks. I appreciate this. it. You yeah, guys. Brother. Ha- yep. You guys have a good one. All right, brother. All right. All right. Later. Later. All right. That's the, uh, that's Wednesday's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed that. And again, if, uh, if you are looking to get into, uh, you know, purchasing beef from a uh, from a farmer from something that's homegrown around the valley, then uh, hit up Albert's Custom Meats, and he'll uh, he'll get you to the right spot.
Now, stay tuned for Friday. We have uh, courtside Karen. <laughs> We're going to break her down and, you know, her little uh, scuffle with LeBron and a couple other stories to uh, to get to. So stay tuned. See you then.